Good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We are disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm glad that you're with me today as we complete our series on perspective today, finding the purpose in the big picture as we've been going through that. As you guys get ready for the uh, service and, and the message today, of course, I hope you have your bulletins there. There's a place to take notes, and, and in there, there's that ugly green connection card that I know that you'd love to get rid of. And so what I appreciate you do, just take a few moments and fill that out for me. Let me know uh, that, that's, uh, that it's in there and uh, by putting your name on it and that you've seen it, and then we're going to come back to that later in the message, some next steps that we have for you to take to bring some application to today's message. Of course, there's an opportunity as well to... Uh, uh, write any prayer requests down that you may have, because we do pray for you every week, and knowing how to pray uh, does uh, help us to have more effective prayers. So there you go. All right. Well, thus far, uh, we've talked about finding our purpose in in the bigger picture, kind of zooming out. We talked about how sometimes having that bigger picture helps us see the context of maybe why we are here, uh, why God made the world the way it is, why my life is going the way that it is. And we started by talking about the purpose of life on earth. Like why did God make this earth? Why did he put us in it? You know, why did he put the tree in there? All this kind of stuff. Why does he allow bad things to happen to all kinds of people, including good ones? And why does he allow good things to happen to all kinds of people, including bad ones and all of that? What's going on? And uh, in that, we discovered through Scripture that God does have a very good purpose for this earth. And that is purification. That God is separating in this world the faithful from the unfaithful. That is the point. Well, the thing that God wants from you in your life is faithfulness. And if you missed that message, you want to go back and want to see what Scripture has to say, I invite you to go back to our website and to see that. But really what God is looking for you is faithfulness, which is something that you can do now, right? And this is really what it boils down to, what God wants from us. But we want to take a bigger picture. Why faithfulness? What is the purpose? Why did he have faithfulness? So we looked, took another step back, and we looked at two of the creations that God made, heaven and earth. And last week we looked at that. Why would God create heaven? And why did he create this earth, kind of the bigger picture? What was the point of it? Because both of them were stained by, by sin. Both of them have been corrupted. Both of them are temporary. So why make them at all? And why would he allow beings to exist in them, especially eternal beings like us or angels? And we saw in the midst of that that God created heaven and earth for preparation. And today we're going to take a step back even further and look at that third creation we find in Scripture, the new heaven and the new earth. What is God doing? And why didn't we just get to live in the new heaven, new earth today? <laughs> right? So what's that all about? As we go through that, our memory verse is a good one to hold to because in the midst of this, I know that the process to get to the new heaven, new earth is not easy. And it's filled with all kinds of difficult things, which is why faith is needed and faithfulness is so important. And so in the midst of this, it's important to remind ourselves of this truth that our God is good and he's working good things out for us in the midst of it, even today. So if you haven't had a chance yet, this is an awesome opportunity to memorize one of the most helpful and encouraging words of God, promises in Scripture that we could possibly have. It's going to hold you as an anchor uh, for now and through the rest of the life. So let's just remind ourselves of this. If you've been with us for a while, if this is new to you, it's okay. Just say it along with us a few times and it'll start to stick. Here we go. Three, two, one. 
And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. All right, again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. And last time. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. Wonderful. If you haven't had that memorized yet or would like to have a, a good little reminder of that, on your connection card, that green connection card, on the top of it, there's a Bible memory verse card there for you. You can take that off. I'll take it with you. Um, let the word of God remind you, encourage you as uh, we work through this life. Now, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're going to be in the book of Revelation today. Because we're going to talk about the new heaven and new earth. So we have to go to the very end of the book of Revelation, or pretty close to it. That's going to be uh, chapter 21. That's just where we're going to be. And we're going to start reading, actually, in uh, verse 1. And I'm going to go all the way through to 22, verse 5. And uh, you can read along with me if you'd like. It says here, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be death, no mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who, has, he, was, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty... I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels, who had seven bowls full of seven last plagues, came to him and said, Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain in a great and high place. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven of God. And it shone like the glory of God, and all its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 fountains, foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod in the gold measure. A measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it's wide, he measured the city of the, with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. 
and wide and as high as it was high and it is long. The angel measured the wall using a human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick and the wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold it's pure as glass. The foundations of the city city's walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. First, the foundation was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third was agate, the fourth was emerald, the fifth was onyx, the sixth was ruby, the seventh was chrysolite, the eighth was beryl, the ninth was topaz, the tenth was turquoise, the eleventh was jacinth, the twelfth was amethyst, the twelve gates with, were, were, with twelve, were made of twelve pearls, with each gate me being made of a single pearl. The great streets of the city were of gold as pure, as, as transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city does not need sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives light and the Lamb is his lamp. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring them their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will no longer be night there. The glory and honor and the nations we brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be night, for there will be no need for the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Wow! Isn't that awesome? Does it give you tingles? Because this is trustworthy and true. This is more real than the seat that you're sitting on or the skin you feel on your face. For those things are going to pass away, but this, where we're going, is real. Now I want you to notice in this passage that there are three creations. We talked about it last week, right? right you, you see that there was the old heaven and the old earth, and they had passed away, and they were gone. And then you saw a new heaven and a new earth, right? And it comes down from God. And we see in this and other places in Scripture, we talked about the last couple of weeks, that God has been busy creating. And he didn't just create us. He didn't just create this world. He didn't just create heaven. He's been in the business of creation. And there's three very important creations, right? And if to understand what's coming next, we have to understand first, right, with the new heaven and earth, we have to understand the present heaven, the present earth. It gives us an idea. This is not something new. He doesn't call it, you know, like, like uh, Glory Spania or something like this. It's the new heaven, the new earth. It, it reflects something. There's a place in that for us. Why does that matter? Well, the first heaven is the place of the angels, right? This is the place where the angels lived. It was their dominion, and there's a new place for them. This will be their place. It's designed for them. It will feel like home. And likewise, it's a new earth. It's a place for humans. It's, it will feel perfect. It's not going to feel foreign or alien or different. It will be made for us and us and we were made for it. But it, like the first heaven and the first earth, this is the place of God. Where 
Angels ruled heaven, right? They were able to fight their own civil war. Humans have been given control of this earth. <laughs> but the new heaven, new earth, foundationally, fundamentally is from God. In fact, didn't God say, where are you going to make a place for me? Like, heaven and earth can't contain me. Heaven has my throne, earth is my footstool, but where can you build a house for me? God's building a house for himself, and this is his home, and now he invites us to his space, and he's made us for it. So why would he do that? Well, to understand there's a purpose for this. There's a purpose that God is building for the new heaven, new earth. In fact, it's being created right now. That's where Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is where he's at. This is what he's making, and let's just remind ourselves. He took six days and a day off to make this world and all the whole universe, and he's been up there about 2,000 years. How fantastic do you think it's got to be? What's the purpose then? Why is God spending so much time, so much effort? Why would he create two other creations to lead to this? Well, the purpose of new heaven is this, is perfection. This is what God has designed it to be. Did you see that in the reading? Everything there is absolutely perfect. See, God is perfect, isn't he? God has no flaws, which is why we can understand that the first heaven and the first earth, though they had brokenness in it, were not flawed in their brokenness. They were doing exactly what God designed them to do. But they weren't meant to be eternal. For our God is a perfect God, and his creation is going to be a perfect place. It's leading to something. And see, the world isn't perfect, I think we would admit. Right? Our lives aren't perfect yet. Am I perfect? No, I'm close to it. <laughs> Far from it, right? I'm not perfect yet. So why are we here? Is God some, a bad designer? What's the purpose of this? Why, if, if perfection is what it's all about, why didn't he just make us perfect? What if he is? I'm going to use Jeff's mug. Can I use your mug for illustration? Look at this mug. <laughs> Jeff has a handsome mug. We can all agree, right? Isn't that nice? And it's perfect for holding whatever lukewarm beverage is now in there, right? Perfect for it, right? But you know that this didn't start out this way? Do you know how this started out? It's a lunk of, like a mud. That's what it was. It was clay. And can you imagine? Uh, Pastor Zach's sister actually made this mug for us. I thought that was pretty cool. And if you went to her little shop where she was putting on the little wheel and all that kind of stuff, eventually it might actually look like a mug, but it wasn't been baked yet. And do you know it, how crazy it would be if you like, looked at that mug at that point and then tried to put tea or coffee or whatever is in this? What would happen if you did that? Would it be a very good mug? Would it be perfect for holding your favorite lukewarm beverage? No. It'd fall apart. It'd get you all messy, and you drink from it, and you get junk all over your, right? And you'd be like, oh! And can you imagine if we went to Zach's sister where she was making these mugs, and we saw it in her shop, and we saw it there, we were like, you are a horrible craftsman of mugs. Like, this is the worst mug I've ever seen. It's troubled. It's flawed. It can't even do what it's designed to do. And she would look at us like, you are an idiot. Because it's not done yet. Yeah, it's not there yet, but it will be. She had to shape it and craft it and, and mold it and do all these things. And then she had to bake it and then she had to take it out and paint it and bake it again. And this mug went through a lot to get here. 
But now that it's here, it's found its home and it's perfect for doing exactly what it was designed to do. You're no different, you lump of clay. Right? Like we're all being formed and shaped. We're in the process right now of being made for perfection. Scripture talks about that all the way through, doesn't it? God is perfecting us through our suffering and pain. That's what the Word of God says. God is making us ready for the next creation. This world is like the shop. And eventually, God's going to break the molds. He's going to break the shop. There's going to be no more need for heaven or earth. All the things that were designed to be created will have been created. And everything that was meant to be perfected will be perfected. And that's why the present heaven, the present earth, disappear. They're done. The factory's done. God has made his, his perfect place. And he's made his people perfect. You are being made perfect right now. You are being prepared to be put into this perfect space. This is why life is hard. It's why it's hot. It's why it's difficult. It's why there are good things in our life that turn us to God and hard things that shape us. It's why faithfulness matters. God is baking into us, changing us into the perfect people, the perfect society, so that we can dwell in a perfect space. This is what it's about. So, the purpose of this new heaven and earth is going to be perfect in five ways that we see in that passage. The first one, it is a perfect society. Every citizen in heaven will have been perfectly purified, right? We're going to be purified from the outside. All the unfaithful people will have been removed. In fact, in this passage, did you see that, that, that Jesus has some pretty strong warnings? He says that those who are not faithful will not be there, right? That's the point. It, it, like everyone who chooses their own way instead of God's way is not going to have admittance, they have been filtered out. How thoroughly they have been filtered out? So much so that when the new heaven new earth shows up, they can have gates on all four sides. At any time, any place, you can walk into it. Never, the gates are never shut. And no unpure person will ever enter those gates because they don't exist anymore. They're gone. They, they are in the eternal lake of fire. The only ones that dwell in this space all have been the perfect, purified citizens, both humans and angels. And not only has God purified the people, but, you know, the, the citizenry, he would have purified the citizens themselves through the process of sanctification. That's what he's doing in you right now if you are in Christ. He's doing that work, changing you, right, transforming you. The things that you're going through now are shaping you for what's coming next. They're the very things that are going to keep you from becoming flawed in eternity, which is a long time. So, it's a citizenry of society that's filled with only a perfect citizenry. It's, it's going to be fantastic, right? There's going to be no more rebels, right? That, how fantastic would it be, you know, to be able to just drive your car somewhere and you don't have to lock it because no one's going to steal it, right? Y you can go and have a conversation with somebody and they're not going to, like, try to throw in some crazy, stupid idea that you know is a contradiction of God. That will never, ever happen again. Right? There's never going to be a political party that's going to rise to power in heaven that's going to somehow try to dethrone God ever again. Right? We're not going to have broken homes and broken hearts and broken lives ever because the people aren't going to be broken anymore. There's no longer going to be sharp edges sticking all over, wrecking us up. That's a great place to be. I mean, that alone, and when most people think of heaven, when thinking of the new heaven, this is what they think of. They think of a perfect society. 
In fact, how many people that are atheists try to write about and think about how we can have the perfect society, utopia? And every time they try, what happens? It becomes a dystopia. Because they're always trying to do it outside of God's way. They're trying to do it their own way. And it never leads to anything good. But God has created and is designing the perfect society. Which is why I think, how amazing will heaven be with all of the gifts, the abilities, the strengths that he's created in us will, be, will never, have be, never be destroyed, never be checked by greed or malice or brokenness, right? Or, or theft or anything like that. Perfect society. And not only do we have perfect society, but we have a perfect culture in heaven, right? There, there's no darkness, no corruption. In fact, over and over again in this passage, it talks about, it says, you don't even need a sun because the light of God's going to be there. What's he talking about? Well, maybe there's not going to be a sun because the light of God's going to be there. But also, I think a deeper thing about this truth is there's going to be no more darkness. No more darkness of the heart. No more wondering what is right or what is wrong. And no more warring even when I know what's right. Should I do it? Can I do it? Will I do it? Right? The, the culture in heaven is going to be completely pure. Nothing shady is going down in heaven. Right? A new heaven, new earth. You go and buy a new chariot or whatever you're going to buy up there. And I'm going to say this. I think heaven is going to have the coolest technology ever because can you imagine in this world if, if people didn't die who were brilliant and they could talk to God about you know, the scientists and then no one ever bought their patents and then buried them somewhere because of greed? Can you imagine how far we would be? Heaven's going to be like that. Like they got all the research grants you would ever need. The streets are made of gold. Like, we're going to drive some really awesome chariots. And you're going to go there and you're going to buy one, even a used one. You're not going to get ripped off. You can trust people when they tell you this is what I'm doing and that's what I'm doing. You have to wonder, do they have hidden agendas or hidden motives? Not going to happen. The culture there, absolutely perfect. Can you imagine? No, you can't. It's so far removed from our thinking that we like, we can't even imagine it. But we can at least recognize that it would be amazing. Revelation 4, 21, 4 says this, that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's going to be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Now, people say there's no tears in heaven. That's not true. There's going to start to be tears in heaven. You're going to remember your life. Otherwise, how is God going to wipe away your tears? You're going to have to have them. But he's going to make sense of them with you. He's going to help us go through this life and show us what he was doing. We're going to grieve the difficulty as we embrace and celebrate the glory that he brought us to. And that moment, in that time, God is going to allow us to see everything, why he allowed it to work, the way that it did. We will see his brilliant plan, not just in the, in the big scope, but in our very lives as well. And understand this, the old order of things is passed away. The factory's done. I don't take that mug and keep putting it in the furnace. I don't have to anymore. It never has to go back there again. It never has to be shaped on a, on a little craftsman table or whatever, however you make a mug. Never has to happen again. And like you, you have been shaped. You have been formed. You have been perfected. Now you get to live the life that you were created for. Now that's pretty amazing. Which means that the things that shape us in this life, the pain and the suffering, the brokenness, right? The war, the poverty, the sickness, the suffering, all those things that come into our lives and God shapes us through them, right? They produce perseverance and we let perseverance finish its work so we become mature, complete, not lacking anything. Is that the word of God says? Those are all those sufferings. You don't have to face them ever again. 
never. We talked about today how we see God and we bless him that, that in this world there are blessings, but also there's hardships. Can you imagine every day waking up and there's never going to be a hardship? Never a brokenness, never like, ooh, I wonder if the other shoe's going to drop. You're always going to have both feet, right? You'll have shoes on both all the time. That good. But that's not all. Look at uh, verse 20, uh, tw- verse 3. It says, no longer will there be any curse. Because the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Like, the culture it, it is inherently and intrinsically godly, right? That's, that's the way that it is. Everybody, angels and humans and from all different races and tribes and tongues and everybody, all going to agree, God's king and he does a good job being God. And we're going to say his way is right and our, the moral compass in our hearts will have been reset, right? So there's no more sin nature. But beyond that, there's no more curse, We're not working against nature and the design of God. We're not working in contradiction to things. There's no more headwinds in our way. We think about some of the things that the curse affected. Relationships, wasn't that one of the biggest things that was affected in the curse? That we have uh, husbands and wives just having these difficulties and parents and child having difficulties. Like that was one of the things in the curse which society begins to fall. That's not going to happen there. Like there's going to be no more family drama. Amen. Right? Like the heavenly Thanksgiving meal will actually be fun. How cool will that be? Always. There's not going to be a culture war. Ever. Never going to have that tension. Never going to have this destruction, this this right fighting, and this never going to happen. No more revolutions. The wall be done. It's, It's over. And get this. Work will also be fantastic because it too will have lost its curse and you will have work to do that's what it says if nothing else says we get to judge angels i even know what that that will be about but that sounds pretty cool but beyond that there's other work for us as we rule with christ it blows my mind how do we do that but there's work and the work will be enjoyable Every day you'll get up with purpose. It's not sitting on some stupid cloud playing a harp and just singing all day in a choir like, well, this is the thousandth time we've gone through this verse again. Like some horribly long, you know, worship session. It's not going to be like that. Right? You're going to have work to do. You're going to have meaningful things every single day that you get up and you're like, ah, well, maybe you don't get up. I don't know. There's no sun. However it works, you're going to be there and be like, yes. And your life will continue to grow perpetually better. That is perfection. I think this is also cool. You know what I don't read in there? It says there's no temple, right? There's no place for us to go meet right with God because God is there, so we can always talk to him, right? He's, he's right there with us. He's not like he dwells in some other realm or other place or other creation that comes and visits us. We will be in his space, which I think is pretty great. We'll be with God. And in the midst of that, you also see there's no more jails and there's no more courthouses and I didn't find a legislature building. There's not going to need to be laws. Think about that. Why won't we need laws? Because people will have it written on our hearts. We will no longer be a lawless, crazy people. Just naturally, we will work well, perfectly together. So selfishness, pride, gluttony, greed, depravity, they're gone forever not just in you but also in everybody else so we have a perfect society and a perfect culture we're going to 
Beyond that, we also have perfect relationships. And this is the part that I think gets, it starts to get really cool. The other things we always think about heaven. But, but let's start with here. For starters, we're all going to get along. Right? There's brokenness and tension even amongst Christians. Can you believe that? And there are some people that are even Christians that die on this earth that just don't like their brother and sister in Christ. And you know what? There's going to be reconciliation there. And not just like a, well, you better make up, right? There's going to be true reconciliation. That's going to happen. We're not going to have that drama. It's good. No more fights, no more wars, right? no more splits. But, but there's actually something so much better than just that perfect relationship with one another. Verse 3 talks about this. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Is there a little bit of repetition in that? Is God like saying, no, seriously, I'm going to be living with you. Actually, seriously, you're going to be living with me. See, God will live in perfect relationship with his people. And perfect relationship requires perfect love, which requires also perfect knowledge. Is the imperfect relationships are ones in which you have to shield yourself a little bit, right? There's something still standing between you guys. That, that's an imperfect relationship. Perfect relationship where there's, there's no more barrier, nothing left between the two of you. And, and love is also this, choosing another's good above your own, right? That's, that's how we define love, that's how Scripture chooses to define love. That we're going to be in a perfect relationship with God, a perfect loving relationship. It's not just that, that we get to then, we'll be like, God, your way first, man, we, and we enjoy that. But it also goes the other way. That God will reveal himself to us as he truly is, and everything that God does will be absolutely loving for us. That God will be choosing us, which is mind-blowing. And so we, we start with this, this that we, we have God's love, but we also get to know God as he truly is. And... Uh, I'm going to go to the next point because it makes this one make sense, is that there's going to be perfect goodness there. Right? God is good. And if we're going to have a relationship with God, we always say that as Christians, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And then you, like, you get a flat tire and you're like, why did you do this, God? Right? We do it all the time. But no, God is truly good all the time. And he is perfectly good. I mean, there's nothing in God that isn't good. In fact, he gives goodness definition. Right? He is the, 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 what's behind goodness. He's what makes good good. But the problem is, is that we can't handle it. We're like mugs that aren't fully formed yet that you're trying to pour a perfect beverage into. We just contaminate it because we're not ready for it yet. See, God put us in perfection, didn't he? That was the Garden of Eden and everything was perfect and it was awesome. We had a perfect society, perfect relationship with God, all that kind of stuff. And we still messed it up. We tainted it, right? We weren't ready for it yet, but we will be ready for it eventually. And God's goodness, as awesome as it is, and we love to experience God's goodness, don't we? When God does amazing things like answers prayers, shows, gives you a beautiful sunrise, right? And, uh, heals you, right? Does all kinds of cool things. We're like, God, you're so good, right? But he's good even when bad things happen. Why? How is that true? Well, we can't handle God's goodness. Too much goodness corrupts us right now. That was the problem of, of the garden, but we see all the way through the Old Testament. You ever wonder why God allowed the Israelites to go through, like he would... He would save them from bad things because they were like, oh, things are so bad. God will follow you finally. And he's like, all right. So then they do. 
And then he blesses their socks off because God is good. So he reveals himself and his goodness to their lives and he blesses them and their economy is good and their lives are good and everything's good. And then what inevitably happens? The goodness spoils them. It rots their souls in their society. They become self-centered, right? They become evil and wicked and all these things. They say, we don't need God. We got all these good things, right? And then what happens? They do wicked things and they bring awful stuff into the world. And God's like, oh, I've got to... I've got to limit my goodness in your life right now. I'll let the bad things come to you again to shape you. We can't handle God's goodness. That's why God doesn't just bless you every single day of your life with just enormous blessings. If he did, he would destroy you. It destroyed the devil. It destroys the, the saints of old. It destroys Christians today. You need your pain as much as you need your blessing. And God is not just like saying, well, I don't, he's doling out goodness just a little bit if he has to. God wants to reveal his goodness in your life without any reservation, which is what he's preparing you for. It's important for us to see that. The goodness that God allows into your life each day is the goodness that you can handle. And he's going to give it as much as you possibly can handle because our God is good. But when you couldn't handle it, it's going to destroy you. Our God loves you too much to let you just face the, just the unmitigated blast of his goodness. But I want you to know this. That there's a day coming, and you have been created for this, to contain and withstand God's unmitigated goodness forever. This is something that we can't fully comprehend. We get little scraps of it here and there as much as we can possibly manage. And even that sometimes it starts to corrupt us. But in heaven, there is perfect goodness. This is the thing that makes heaven so amazing. The new heaven, new earth. Right? When we're there, God will reveal himself as he truly is. A perfect, infinitely good God. And you'll be able to not just withstand it, but thrive in the midst of it. This is what we're being made for. This is what it's about. Which then leaves the fifth part is, it's a perfect eternity. There is no end. Now, I, I coached football, which you all know, because I talk about it in nauseam, because I'm proud of my boys, right? I made a good season, and uh, it was awesome, and it was also a very long year, right? It was a nine-month football season, which is a long time. And I had a long time to think about what I'm going to spend my 17 cents an hour that I earned <laughs> on that that was a long time. I'm like, well, today, what do I want to do? And I decided I want to leave. <laughs> so I'm leaving at the end of this week, and I'm going to go on a little vacation with the money that I earned on football, right? I'm leaving at the end of the day, actually. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to go on that little break with my family. It's going to be good. But then it's going to end. And I know now that there's a plane flight back that I have to get on, which kind of dampens it a little bit doesn't i still gonna go but here's the thing heaven has no return flight the new heaven new earth you go and you stay there is no expiration to this it's not like we get there and it's somehow going to grow stale or it's going to end there's going to be some type of corruption in the far off future perfect eternity that's the difference between the present earth and the new earth 22 verse 4 and 5, it says, They will see his face, that's you and me, 
And his name will be on their foreheads, right? So God's going to be with us. We'll be marked by him. And there's going to be no more night. There'll be no more need for light. The lamp of the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. If that one ever wasn't enough, we get another one. Like if somehow we expended eternity, we would get a whole other one. Ever and ever. So get ready for the eternity. This is what we're being made for. Your life is being prepared for this right now. The good things, the hardships, all of it is shaping you, preparing you for this. So the purpose of new heaven and earth is perfection. You are being made for perfection. You are not perfect yet, but you will be made perfect. God, who began the good work in you, is faithful to complete it. It is happening. This is faithful and true. This is our future. Perfect society, perfect culture, perfect relationship, perfect goodness, perfect eternity. It's the inevitable destiny of all of God's faithful. So don't give up. Isn't that how we find here in Revelation it kind of ends? It's like, don't give up, don't miss out on this. Don't somehow in this life get so tired of God's work perfecting you that you turn away from him. Remember, we have to come back then to what's the purpose of this earth? purification be faithful be faithful in season be faithful out of season when life is good be faithful to god when life is 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 hard be faithful to god when life makes sense be faithful to god when life makes no sense at all be faithful to god i want to read for you the part of the end verse 22 or chapter 22 actually i'm gonna i think i even have it up here this is what jesus says look i'm coming soon Right, this isn't going to last forever. This world not going to last forever. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the trees of life and may go through the gates into the city. It's outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, has sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And the one who, let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who washes take the free gift of the water of life. God doesn't try to keep you out of heaven. He's not trying to cast you out of perfection. He's trying to get you ready for it. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus now. Come to him every single day. Be faithful. Say, God, not my way, but your will be done. It's not my morals, God. It's your morals. It's not my way of life, God. It's your way of life. And I'm going to trust that you're going to do your good work in me, even if it's hard, especially when it's hard. So how do you apply it? Well, take out your connection card. I've got some some good next steps for you to, to take. The first thing I'm going to invite you to do is to memorize Romans 8.28 because you have to own this. This is not some light, fluffy, theological thing that we just made up. Jesus is actually at work in your life. God is working all things together for your good. But this, you have to love him, be called according to his purpose. So if you love God, trust him. He's at work in your life. If you need to love God, the spirit and the bride say, come. Something you might want to read? Revelation 20 and 21. Right? If you wonder what's going to happen in this world, why all this crazy stuff, it's not going to last like this forever. It's the mo- I just read most of it for you right now. It is really uplifting. Read it. How about this? Why don't you praise God each morning? 
I started doing this a couple of years back. I was challenged because I was in a, a funky place in my spirit. I was going through some hardship, and I w- didn't want to praise God. I was like, God, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how life is, and I'm trying to serve you. And every place I'm trying to serve you, things get harder, and I don't like it. And I don't like the fact that all of your prophets got killed, and I don't like it that all of your, your, your disciples got killed. You've got a bad record with helping your people, and I had a bad attitude. And I had a brother in Christ came to me and said, Aaron, you have a bad attitude. You need to start praising God. Do you believe he's good? And I said, all the time. And said, so, well, why don't you start praising him? What happens is when you start praising God, you start to see his goodness. You start to see his hand in things. So you know my, my ritual every morning. I walk upstairs and I make coffee for my wife and I praise God for my wife, but I also praise God for him. It's something new each day. Just think about how good he is. Even when life is hard, it's something that changes us and it sets the tone of each day. It's an expectation of God's work in your life is what you're inviting. So praise God each morning. Here's something that you can do. Share the good news. We heard testimony even this morning about people sharing the good news and how it's changing lives for eternity. Would you ask God, we have those five people we ask you to pray for. Would you be praying for your five people? Asking God for opportunities that you too can share this. Isn't this good news? Isn't this much better than any political party has to offer? This is good stuff. Why not share it? Be part of the bride that says come. All right. I've given you all a long sermon and a lot of things to think of. I hope you're leaving encouraged, but also with something to do. I'm going to pray for you as you set those, those commitments and you make those before God. And then we're going to have the worship team come up and we will have a time of commitment. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you didn't just make this earth. Thank you that you made this earth with purpose. Father God, thank you for limiting your goodness in our lives so as not to destroy us, but giving us enough goodness in our lives that we could at least enjoy them. Father God, we ask that you would use us in our lives, that that you would use this, this very moment right now to redirect us back to faithfulness, finding our purpose in you. We don't have to understand all those things, but we do have to do this. We have to turn our hearts to you. So I pray, Father, it's exactly what we would do this week in each moment. I know that, that there are some here that are right now going through great things, and I pray in their good things that they're enjoying, that they would focus on you and draw closer to you. And I know there are some in this room right now that are going through really hard things. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet them in this moment, that the church would come around and, su- and support them in this moment. But Father, in their heart and their spirit, they would come to you to be faithful and to follow you as they wait for your work to happen in their lives. Lord, as we, as we memorize your word, as we read your word, as we praise you each morning, as we share the good news of Christ, Father, we pray that we would do it in such a way that brings you glory, that prepares us, too, for that glory. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of our King Jesus. Amen. <laughs>